Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com. I am excited today, as usual, <laughs> because I have another really awesome guest on the show. Today, I'm talking to Kenna Campbell. She is the amazing woman behind Sugar Mama TV on YouTube, and she is also a financial planner. She's based in Sydney, Australia, and I'm in New Jersey, so we were working with a 14-hour time difference, but we were able to get this podcast scheduled and recorded and I had a great time talking to Kana. On this episode, we talked about things like investing, passive income. We talked about minimalism and the way we both approach it. We also talked about luxury, purchasing luxury goods because we're both huge fans of luxury items. We talked about her $1,000 project, which is the project that she has that encourages people to save extra money that they have. And we had a really awesome uh, conversation. There is also a cameo from her son, Rocco, (laughs) who was trying Trying his best to be super quiet while we recorded the episode, and I think you're going to enjoy listening into this episode. Um, Ken and I have a lot of things in common, and it was just a very, um, a very nice conversation to have. I really enjoyed talking with her. I really enjoyed listening to her perspective on you know things around investing and passive income and her approach to minimalism and how it has been a life changing experience for her. And I know that you're going to enjoy listening into this episode as well. But before we get into to it. If you haven't already subscribed, please head over to iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and subscribe there. And be sure to tell someone you know about this podcast so that we can get the word out there and get more people listening. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well so you can get access to my resource library. And be sure to check out my accountability program at clevergirlfinanceacademy.com. Let's get into my conversation with Kana. So hi, Kana. Welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to have you here. We are Thank working. You for having me. I was so excited. <laughs> we are working on a 14-hour time difference, and I'm so glad we were able to coordinate this. Yeah, it was meant to be. <laughs> so um, for those of you who are listening, I found Kana through her YouTube channel, Sugar Mama, which is basically the best personal finance YouTube channel out there for women. And I fell in love with it over the last two years. And I'm so honored that you agreed to be on the podcast. This is such a pleasure. So I'd love for I'm you so to... I'm so honored to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to introduce yourself to folks listening. Who is Kana? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I am a single mother. I live in Sydney, Australia. I am a financial planner and I run my own business, which I've been doing for, for like, I think 10 or 11 years now. Um, and I have my YouTube channel, Sugar Mama TV. And it's all about like empowering people to make better decisions with money and get excited and realize what exists within themselves like people just like to realize the potential and the capability that everybody has to improve their relationship with money and um and take control of their life and step up and um you know embrace life and and then give back so that's my big passion in life and i love your approach to personal finance which we're going to get into into in a second but i'd love for you to share a little bit about your story i've watched it on your youtube channel Mm -hmm. (laughs) how did you become so go ahead is it like how I got into financial planning sort of with, is that the story you want? Yeah. How did you become yeah. so passionate about personal finance? What made you follow mm-hmm. this path? Yeah, sure. So I have, I have like the, my career has got so many stories like that. So I'm like, hang on, which one? Um, but okay. So when I was at university, I was studying finance and I had two jobs and um, one of them, which was working behind a bar 
um, pulling beers. And I used to work really long hours till sort of three in the morning. And uh, the bar that I worked in, they used to pay really good tips. And every night I'd come home exhausted and smelling of alcohol and cigarettes and chewing gum. And I just sort of throw all my tips in my bedside table. And uh, I remember one day I was studying for an exam and I was just procrastinating as you do. And uh, I thought, oh, I should probably go and count up those tips because they're starting to really overflow um, in the, it, the, the, it's just cramping up the bedside table and um, I should probably convert them into, into bigger notes. So there aren't as many notes and um, bigger denominations. Any. So I grabbed them and went to the local bank. And this was before the Privacy Act had come in Australia. And so turned up there with all, like $10 notes, $5 notes, and just said, look, I don't want to deposit it. I just want it into bigger notes. So just give it all back to me in $100 notes. They took my license, you know, sort of looked at me funnily, didn't, and I didn't think anything of it. Um, it wasn't actually my bank, but it was my parents' local bank. And uh, they asked me a couple of questions, and I just, yeah, it's from tips. You know, I just didn't really think much about it. That after, came home, put back in my bedside table, didn't think anything of it. That afternoon, my dad came home, was like, where's Canna? And I could, like, hear, I'm like, oh, what have I done? He's <laughs> like, you know, I hear you have a large amount of money. And I was like, no, not really. Like, he's, I was like, like, it was sort of like, what are you talking about? Like, not even thinking about what he's asking me. And he's like, the bank told me you came in with a large amount of cash and you didn't even deposit it. You just got it converted into um, $100 notes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's my tip money. And I was like, you're an idiot. Why? First of all, you can't have that type of that amount of money um, sitting in the house because it's not insured. And secondly, you're missing out on earning, like having that money work for you, earning interest and growing in value. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I, you know, so we it, this opened up this whole conversation of, all right, um, you need to learn about money. So the next day we went to my bank and we deposited that money and the money was immediately withdrawn and invested. And I got about three months later, I got my first dividend check and I went to my dad and I was like, what is this? Um, and um, he's like, it's your dividend. You know, I was like, yeah, but it's not mine. Like, what have I, I haven't done anything to earn it. He's like, that's the whole point. Like, it's your money working for you. And, I, you know, you had that like aha moment that Oprah likes to call. And um, I, he's like, well, you can spend it or if you wanted to, you could reinvest it and buy more and, and, and make the income even bigger next time. And I was like, you know, I was sort of like scratching my head going, but I didn't do anything. I don't deserve this money. You know, I haven't earned, like earned it. That's and that was the whole my whole aha moment in getting passive income. That is passive income. You don't do anything to earn it. And so I reinvested and I I grew an investment portfolio. And um, ever since then, I've taken investing and being wise with money and sensible very seriously. Awesome. And um, and I, I wanted to share that with other people because I was like, if I can get this, everybody can get this. And this is so good getting money that you haven't earned, like <laughs> that you haven't worked for. <laughs> That's such a that's such an incredible story, and I'm a huge fan of investing, just like you. But a lot of people are afraid to invest. They think it's gambling. Mm. They think yeah. that because of the stories they've heard with the recessions and with you know the stock market and people like in the states, Bernie Madoff, you know, a few years ago, mm. that it's like it's a big game for you to put your money into the stock market and it's dangerous. That's a very common yeah. myth, you know. Very, yeah. So when I come and it comes to me investing and I, I share the Sugar Mama investment portfolio online, um, everything I've invested in is predominantly blue chip industrial stocks. So 
um, businesses that we've like multi-billion-dollar industries um, and companies that we've seen operating for you know 30, 40 years that have been consistently paying dividends, um, and they come with tax credits in Australia. And um, I don't put all my eggs in one basket. You know, the Sugar Mama portfolio has got about 15 different stocks in there, and um, you know I regularly review it. Um, I, you know, I always add money to it. And I don't make. I've never invested in something that I didn't understand. And yes, there are times where the portfolio um, pulls back, um, but that's some for me. That's buying opportunities. But I would never invest in any penny stocks or you know m- mining stocks. Uh, like it's all very conservative stuff, and it's long-term buy and hold. It's that kind of Warren Buffett approach where you look for value in the market, you and you jump on it when you see the opportunity. Yeah, so when the market is down, it's almost like the market is on sale. And if you yes, look hard enough, clearance. Yep, if you look hard enough, you'll find the good opportunities. And I love what you said about you never invest in what you don't understand. And I think that's mm. really important. And that's where, you know, that's the important factor that people need to understand is is that when you mm. start to invest in what you don't know, what you don't understand, then it becomes gambling. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's like a lot of, there's all this talk about like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And, you know, I've spent hours researching this to understand it. And I'm a financial planner and I, you know, I have a degree behind me and I'm still scratching my head. And, you know, I, I'm not, I would never invest in that because I don't understand it yet. I don't see the value of it and I see more risks than the upside. So yeah, that is, and not every, not every investment is for everyone, you know, just because I invest in shares doesn't mean that my next door neighbor should go and do exactly the same, but you need to research what's right for you and understand your, what your attitude towards risk is and what your goals are. Yeah. And I get a lot of questions about cryptocurrency too and Bitcoin. And just like you, I'm like, okay, hmm, this seems interesting, but I just, I'm not quite comfortable. And so I'm not a huge mm. fan, but again, for people who are investing that kind of stuff, as long as you are comfortable and you understand yeah. where you're putting your money, then, you know, <laughs> then so, that's fine. But yeah, it, in the meantime, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, personally not for me, but if there are experts out there who know exactly what they're doing and doing very well, then that's great. Like hats off to them. So, so Kenna, where are you? Where do you have your um, sugar mama portfolio? I want to take a look at what you have yeah, invested in. Sure, um, it is invested in. A, it's invested in a combination of banking stocks in Australia. Um, it's we've got, I've got a US based ETF in there through Vanguard. Um, I'll send you through a snapshot of the portfolio as well, if you like. Um, it's got uh, even a wine business in there. Um, it's got some um, Crown Resorts, which is like a, um, a big uh, sort of entertainment gambling organisation. It's really well diversified. And the passive income is almost $3,000 per annum um, so far. That's awesome. And as you add to it, it'll continue to grow that passive income side. Awesome. And Yes. There's a link on your site to it, right, you said? Um, I'll send you through a snapshot if you like, because ju- I just added some more stock to the portfolio through the $1,000 project the other day. So um, there's an updated version I'll, I'll share with you. Awesome. So I'll be sharing that in the show notes with you guys. And we're going to be getting into what she just mentioned about her $1,000 project. But before that, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your approach to personal finance. I know that you're a huge fan of minimalism. That's something that mm. I'm personally working on. So I was like, oh my God, yeah. that's part of why I fell in love with your channel in the first place. And I also know that you are a huge fan of luxury just like me i Mm. love luxury items i love um you know designer handbags and how do you find a balance between the two between luxury purchasing expensive things that are on your wish list and 
you know, approaching your life from a minimalist perspective? It's so funny. I'm like, I am a minimalist and then I'm looking around and Rocco has just destroyed my kitchen. Like I was to- like all the toys <laughs> that were packed away. I've just like, they should have been torn out and like thrown across the kitchen. So I don't feel quite so minimalistic right now, but um, like, it's all about balance. Like we, you know, we come onto this earth with nothing and we leave with nothing. Um, we need to make sure we, we're responsible in the time that we're here, but we also that we have a great time. And I value hard work and um, and well-made things, and that's often where the luxury items sort of fall into. Um, you know, for me, if I'm going to buy something that's very special for myself, like a beautiful handbag, I don't just wake up and go and buy it. Like, I do a lot of research beforehand. I set money aside to save up for it. Um, I check that that handbag is actually going to work realistically with my existing outfits, but also my existing activities. It's no point me buying a beautiful glittery um, evening clutch if I don't really go to evening events. Um, you know, I will also make sure that I don't have anything that's too similar. I'm never doubling up on things because we all tend to buy the same thing over and over again. Um, and as I'm saving up for it, doing my research, getting really excited, I build up this, this amazing gratitude. And um, when I finally do, that day comes where I can go to the shop and buy it or order it online, the the value and the exchange I get back is bigger than what I'm paying for it. So I really appreciate it. And, and, and when it comes, I take really good care of it. I don't just throw my handbag around and um, scuff the corners. Like I honor it. I respect it. Like I've worked hard for it and I love it. So, you know, I put it away nicely and, you know, wipe it down. And, um, you know, when I'm, I, I don't, I put it on with it. Like I'm going, for example, to a high tea thing with some friends, you know, I've got a dress on, I'll, I'll wear that one of those handbags and, um, you know, I'll embrace it and um, I, I keep it within check and I, I don't buy stuff like that all the time. They're, they're special, they're, um, you know, special occasion pre- or reward present. They're not something that I just, I've got money, I go do it. Like that's, it, if I was to have an attitude like that, I would be taking away what I've already got, you know, just be like, oh, another Chanel handbag. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I don't want that. I want to, I want to, honor and treasure and my mother still has her Gucci handbags when she was you know in her 20s working really hard you know climbing her own corporate ladder and career path so there's something really special about that for me I love that and I've been for the last couple of years actually more like three or four years I've been trying to go the whole minimalist approach especially with my wardrobe because I used to be the girl that I was always buying cocktail dresses on sale but I never went to yeah. cocktails <laughs> Maybe I I went to like four or five weddings a year, but I would have like tons of these dresses that I never wore. And one day I was like, you know what? This doesn't even make any sense. Um, There were clothing in different colors that I never wore those colors. I wear a fixed, Mm. you know, I wear a very limited number of colors. Um, I'm like, why do I have all these clothes? Because, you know. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and this is the thing I've had to learn to do. Like, my style is quite simple and classic and minimalistic. And, um, but I love that boho style. Like the, the women that can wear those amazing, colorful, flowy, long dresses, mm-hmm. so beautiful, so feminine. And, but if I put that on, I look like a clown and <laughs> I look horrendous and it's like a moo-moo on me. And I just have to, I've had to learn to go, wow, that is so beautiful and so stunning on you. But like, I appreciate me. it. And it stays, and I go, no, don't go and try and head to the shops and try and replicate that on myself. It's going to be a waste of money, a waste of time, and I'm going to feel crap about myself because I'll look like a tweet. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's so, 
I've had to, I've learned that the hard way in wasting money. And I have a couple of like, I have one boho dress and um, it's about five years old and I still, I love it, but that's the only one I have. And that's the only one I'm going to allow myself to have until it, until it literally falls apart. <laughs> yeah. I can totally relate. Um, you know, I was the girl that I got out of college. I saved a ton of money and I had a ton of disposable income. And my next favorite hobby was buying designer handbags. And I had tons and tons of handbags. Like it's even embarrassing to say. And a lot of them were Chanel. This was oh, wow, way before they, this was way before they cost six thousand dollars. They still cost a lot of money. They were like two to three thousand dollars at the time. But mm-hmm. I had a lot of them. It was almost like every other month I was buying a new handbag and I was never oh, wearing wow. them. They were brand new. And I was one day I looked in my closet and I just saw stacks of dollars sitting there. And I was like, This is yeah. dumb. This is so stupid because I'm not using them. I'm not getting my cost per wear. And luckily for me, I was able to sell pretty much all of them and get more than I paid for them back. So when yeah. I make an expensive handbag purchase, it has to be something that, like you, is going to fit into my wardrobe. It has to be mm. something that I'm going to use and get my cost yes. per wear and something that I'm going to really love and be like, you know what, I worked really hard for this and, you know, yeah. I can't just spend Enjoy money with, yeah, with no plan. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Since we're very like-minded here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you avoid feeling guilty when you're making um, expensive purchases? Yeah, no, I do. I do sometimes feel guilty. Um, I won't hide behind that. Um, but there's, I think sometimes, like, I bought, for example, I set myself two, I set myself about five or six very, very aggressive goals. And I said, you know what, these are so aggressive. If I, for each goal that I achieve, I'm going to get a Chanel handbag because they were so out there. And um, and um, I was traveling along and actually on top of these goals, I was just like, wow, I'm actually going to achieve this. And as I was coming along, this one handbag that I really, really wanted that was a limited edition became available. And I was like, oh, um, do I buy it? Like I haven't actually completed this goal yet. And I tossed and turned about doing this and the guilt that I ended up buying it. I called my best friend and I'm like, I, I'm like guess what I've done? And she's like, you work so hard, don't be silly, you do not need to be guilty. And she actually said, you know, you're so – like sometimes I'm too hard on myself. Um, but what I did was I gave the handbag to my mother and she held on to it until I had completed that goal. And I turned up on her doorstep going, ta-da, I've done it now, can I have my handbag? <laughs> and she reluctantly handed it over. So I, it, I, I do get guilty, but I do make sure I am worthy of it. Mm-hmm. I don't just, as I said, I just head to the shops and buy a handbag. It's like, oh, that was nice. I saw it in the shops and I'm going to buy it. Like, <laughs> I work up to it. And um, it, it is actually it's a hard thing for me to do is to get over the guilt. I, I beat myself up about it when I don't sometimes need to. But, but you know, I've been investing for and saving for a very, very long time. And um, I, I'm so grateful for having that instilled into me at a young age. Um but, yeah, the guilt is, is still there, and I just, you just have to make peace with it. But you, as long as I can say, hang on, it's all right, look what you've done, look what you've achieved. You've pr- I've prioritized my fi- my finances, and I've achieved these great things that are going to p- benefit me well into the future. It's okay. It's safe to go and do this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. For me personally, I avoid the guilt by just I have a splurge account, and if that mm-hmm. account isn't um, at the amount that, it's is required to make that expensive purchase that I, I just can't buy it. Even if it's off by a dollar, yeah. I can't, I can't afford it. Yeah. And the same thing, any bag I buy, like I've saved up for it. It's paid for in cash. I would never go and put something on a, like a luxury like that on a credit card. Like if I can't afford it, I don't get it. It's simple. Yeah. 
let's kind of come back to the whole minimalism approach to life. I know that, you know, you are a minimalist and you focus on buying only the things that you love and less of what you don't want. But how do you feel that being a minimalist has impacted your your life in general, not just your personal finances? Mm, huge. Minimalism has had the biggest impact of any sort of um, spiritual experience I've ever gone through. It's been the biggest and best shift in my life. Um, the sense of clarity and vision that I have, the time that I have back, the sense of tranquility, like it's just like I almost get overwhelmed trying to explain that the impact minimalism has had in my life. I fell into it when I had had Rocco and I, I was really struggling. And I just remember looking around um, at all the stuff around, all the baby stuff around me and just feeling so suffocated and cl- and just drowning. And I was just like, this is, I hate this. And I, somehow I managed to, I don't know if I found something on, I think it was YouTube actually that I found something. I was like, oh, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm, I'm hating life. Like I'm hating uh, buying all these things I don't really need. And it's just like engulfing me. And I'm, I've lost my sense of my path. I've just lost my sense of who I am, my direction, my purpose, what I, I like, what do I value anymore? And I just like, it, it just opened up this, you know, I started with the home. I decluttered the home. I, you know, all the homewares. I then decluttered my wardrobe. I then decluttered my, you know, my makeup and all the things in the bathroom. Um, I then simplified my finances even more. So, I, you know, I cleared the space and I could see again and I could breathe again and I understood who I was again and I became strong again and you know, I became more respectful of myself and more respectful and grateful for the universe and everything around me. And I, I, it is something that I, you know, it's not, you become a minimalist, that's it. Like it's something you're constantly working on and, um, you know, you're constantly protecting your home and protecting your life and protecting the things that you commit to and, um, and the people that you spend time with. So it's always a, it's always an ongoing movement, but, uh, oh my goodness, it is, um, probably one of the most passionate things as I've ever, like the best things as I've ever experienced. And I can totally relate like really because yes. I have gone through a similar experience where I felt like I just had so much stuff and it was overwhelming me. And I had to go through the process of decluttering my house, decluttering my closet. And I still consider myself a work in progress from a minimalist uh, perspective, just because, you know, it's once you do the clear out, it's easy to gradually bring things back into your life and you have to make a conscious effort to, you know, keep keep that that amount of stuff that you own low. And for me, it, I just feel like I have had a weight lifted off my shoulders by owning less. It means I can spend more of my mm-hmm. disposable income on the things that I really want, like my expensive luxuries, yeah. my expensive vacations, my expensive jewelry, whatever it is mm. that I like to do. And it's just it's just so refreshing, even from the perspective of, like you said, people who you who you have around you, like decluttering your friends and your relationships um, can make a huge difference in your life. So I can definitely relate. Yeah. It's um, it's such a powerful thing, and even just to dip your toe in it, you know, everyone I know has got into it has never looked back. Um, and it's, you know, you can only do it for yourself to see what it's all about and see how it feels. 
Yeah, yeah. And for me, a huge thing is my wardrobe. The fact that I can actually wear my things and get my money's worth. Because I used to carry so much guilt from owning so many handbags, from owning a ton of clothes that I was hardly ever wearing. I had bags that I had carried once in two or three years. And I'm like, these are $1,000 purchases. I would it w- I would feel so guilty about it. And now that I let all yeah. that stuff go and you know I wear what I have, I'm like... This was worth every penny that I paid because I'm getting my my money's worth. I'm getting my cost. Yeah. Care. And you you enjoy getting dressed because you're like, I love wearing this dress. I, I feel great. I feel like a million dollars. I feel sexy. I feel empowered. Like that's the things we should be spending our money on, not like uh, another you know you know cheap dress that will cover us for this one event and we don't feel that great about ourselves. Like we should shop. We should be really fussy shoppers, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of shift gears and talk about one of the things you had mentioned earlier, which is your $1,000 project. What is it about? How long have you been doing it? And how much have you saved, if you don't mind me asking? Of course. So the $1,000 project came about two sort of frustrations that I wanted to, like, break. One being people who think, oh, I only earn, like, $35,000 a year. I can't afford to save or invest. And then the other attitude of um, uh, not like we all have opportunities presented to ourselves every day, every month, every year, where we can save money. But the thing is, we never do it, consciously do anything with that saving. We just go and spend more. So if you and I, um, uh, you know, get a voucher for $20 off at the supermarket and we use it, we'll go and spend that extra $20 we just saved on, you know, in another shop buying more food. So, I want people to stop and go, oh, wow, I just saved $20. Save the universe. Thank you. I appreciate that. I acknowledge it, and I'm grateful. Then take that $20, put it into a savings account, and every time that happens again or every time you get an opportunity to earn extra money, put it towards that. When that money builds up, you go and do something for yourself with that. Now, um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to inspire people to get into investing. You know, I was lucky that my father got taught me to – like, didn't teach me, but he just – physically got me into investing, um, and I figured a lot out myself. I want other people to be able to do the same. I was an 18-year-old or 19-year-old at the time, and um, it was not hard, and um, and I reap the benefits from that now. So the $1,000 project I set aside to earn um, extra money outside of my job and save extra money outside of my salary and earnings, and every time I had $1,000 saved up, I'd go and invest it. And round one, which went for 12 months, I saved and invested $32,000. And I invested it into shares. And the passive income was just over $1,700 a year. And I donated that $1,700 to the Gidget Foundation, which is a foundation for women struggling with um, postnatal depression and um, uh, traumatic stress syndrome. So, um, I then restarted round two in October last year. And I'm sitting on, I think I've invested about $59,000, $60,000, like as in from, from the 32. So I've invested almost another $28,000. And the passive income is over th- almost $3,000 a year. That's incredible. So just based on the conscious effort that you decided that you were going to figure out how to earn extra money or put aside extra money outside of your budget, you were able to come up with over $50,000 in a couple of years. That yep. is incredible. Mm. And it's, I know. 
it shocks me as well. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was on your blog and I was on you, your YouTube channel um, listening to your updates on your $1,000 project because you do frequent updates on it. And I actually have a little cash purse. I hide it in my, um, I hide it in my... <laughs> in my bedroom inside one of my handbags and it's basically every time I have spare cash I put the money in this in this envelope in this purse mm. and when it gets to like you know 100 bucks or 200 bucks I do something fun with my kids but I'm actually yeah. going to consider using that to start your thousand dollar project because that is yay that would be awesome yeah you know like imagine just from all the spare change I come up with a couple you know, tens of thousands of dollars in a couple of years, that would be incredible. That would make a huge difference in my kids' college savings. Oh, absolutely. And it's something, like you say to your children, like when you're a little girl or a little boy, I started doing this for you, you know, for your future. And I think there's something really um, special um, about and something to be honoured about doing that. Uh, um, Rocco's got um, a little portfolio as well, and, it, like, he doesn't know about it, but I think that's a great idea. And also, like, using that money to spend on experiences. Let's stop buying our kids st um, stuff. Like, it's cluttering our homes and, and impacting the environment. Let's, you know, let's get our kids outside in the fresh air. Let's go and do activities because when you do activities, you're, you know, bonding with them and you create the best investment of all, which is memories. Yes, that's, that is so true. And I know you, you're writing a book about um, this project. Right? Yes. Yes, so it hits the shelves in February next year. It's called The Thousand Dollar Project. I can't wait to read it, and I can't wait to share it with my audience, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it'll be fun. I, I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be weird or surreal seeing um, it's finally sitting on the on the bookshelves. But, um, you know, even that, it's funny because even The Thousand Dollar Project, one of my ideas for helping people come up with money is to, like, write a book or start a blog. Yeah, mm -hmm. the project has been one. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's quite funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna add it to the list of my different money saving um, challenges I do here and there, and you know, put that money towards something, some investing um, that I do, and see how it goes. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, well, let me, you have to keep me posted and see how, let me know how it goes. <laughs> so what piece of advice would you give someone who is trying to get into this whole minimalism, minimalist way of life and wanting to improve their personal finances? What is the one thing that if you could start it over that you would tell yourself to make the whole transition easier? You know what? I think um, be open to your own journey and your own your own path. Like my path is not necessarily the right for everyone else, but you know, take it slowly initially. Learn about it, research about minimalism. Um, start in small areas and as like lean into it and and feel it. Like f let your intuition guide you. Um, there are parts of my life where I couldn't minimize, um, and I had to accept that. Um, and there are parts where I didn't expect to be able to minimize, and I have. So, you know, just look for simplicity. Look to make life as easy as possible for yourself. Um, you know, look at the way you where like the way you spend your time, and if it's adding value to your life. Is it increasing your energy sources and vibration level, or is it depleting it? And and just be consciously aware all the time. And that will then, that along with your intuition will, will guide you. That's awesome advice. And for me personally, you know, one of the things that I had to learn with this whole minimalist approach is that minimalism means different things to different people. It doesn't mean that you have to own one dress and one pair of shoes. It, it means having less of 
what is not making you happy, less of what is not fulfilling you and more of what is, you know, like, you know, the experiences, Mm -hmm. the memories, the time you spend with loved ones. um, And that's, those are the kind of things that make you happy. Those are the kind of things that fulfill you. Whereas if Mm. you have a ton of stuff and you're spending a lot of your money maintaining this stuff and storing this stuff and moving this stuff from one place to another, then that's, you know, that's where you're spending money on things that you don't really like. So it it means different things to different people. But when you think about it, think of it as less of what you don't want, less of what is not making you happy and more of what is making you happy. Exactly. Like beautifully said, it's not a competition as to who can have less. And, (laughs) you know, um, it's your own personal journey. Like someone might come into my home and go, whoa, you've got like nothing here. And then someone will come and go, you're not a minimalist. No, like it's, it, there's no def, like true definition. It's your your own thing, and like it, you just is living a life aligned to your values, and I think that contributes to your overall sense of, of happiness. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one more question, <laughs> and this is um, hope okay. you're prepared. I hope you're prepared to answer this question. It is what is your clever girl okay. superpower? Oh. Uh, you know what I actually think is patience um you know I so many people have said to me I've said oh I really want to buy this or I really I'm really like I'm working towards that and people just said to me just shut up and go and do it I'm like I am doing it I'm saving for it or I'm working for it or I've got to get these priorities done first before I can go and do that so I've got I mean patience and self-control I think is you know um, and it amazes me the amount of people who could, like just go just just go buy it. just do who cares it's like no I'm not going to do that like so I, I that's my superpower is like I have self-control and patience <laughs> that's awesome mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that and <laughs> it has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast Kana um, and I'm sure people who are listening want to learn how to find out your YouTube channel you have to check out the YouTube ta- YouTube channel guys it is an awesome channel um, <laughs> Kana's YouTube channel is full of just really Really awesome personal finance advice, fashion advice, minimalism advice. So tell folks where they can find you and learn more about your YouTube channel sure. and your thousand dollar project. Basically, just hit, like type Sugar Mama with an Italian spelling of Mama, so M A M M A TV, and you'll come across the Instagram page, you'll come across the Facebook page, the website. You can subscribe to the website for a free. Um, budget template and I have an app coming out in a month hopefully um, so almost finished and then um, the YouTube channel is probably the biggest best platform everything's there and it's free for everyone um, I I don't charge for anything so it's <laughs> people can watch it and it doesn't cost anything and it can hopefully it adds a lot of value to people's lives awesome and for those of you listening I will be putting all the links to her website her project her channel in the show notes so you can have easy access to them so thank you so much, Kenna, for your time. And I know this 14-hour time difference is insane, but you made time. And thank you to Rocco no, for fun. giving us a chance <laughs> oh, to record he's, this. He's, he's been loving this because I've been like, Rocco, like, I've been like feeding him lollies like, and putting Paw Patrol on. So um, he'll be sad when he sees me hang out because he knows TV's going off and we're going outside. So And there's no more lollies, definitely not. Um, so, yeah, no, no, I think he's loved every second. But thank you for having me. It's been an honor and um and, and amazing to talk with someone who gets it and is we have such similar values and and attitudes which is so refreshing to hear so thank you thank you so much
So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening into this episode with Kana. I had a great time talking with her and you definitely want to go check out her YouTube channel. It is Sugar Mama on YouTube, um, spelled with two M, so M-A-M-M-A. And I'm a huge fan of that channel and I think you will love it too. I really appreciate her approach to talking about finance in her videos and it's just very laid back and comfortable and I love her channel. So thank you guys so much for listening and if you have enjoyed what you've listened to today, um, please go ahead and subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, you can find the episodes on there and you can subscribe to the podcast there and be sure to tell a friend. I'll catch you guys on the next episode.